Welcome to Cinemaholics. This is a, a later episode than usual. I'm John Negroni and he's Will Ashen. Hey, Will. What up? Will, I mean, we've had some contentious debates over movies in our time. Would you say that that's uh, accurate? Yeah. I mean, how contentious would you say yeah. is contentious? You know, we get a little a little fiery, a little passionate. Sometimes we don't see eye to eye. And that's what the listeners want, right? Sure. But if I can be frank with you for a, a minute or a second. Oh, um, well, I, why can't you be John? I don't think that we have ever been this contentious before the podcast has even started. Before like, yes. I hit play okay. or record or whatever. Uh, where we could not decide, settle on an episode this week. I feel like we've never had this much trouble. Uh, like down to the wire, down to like the seconds before we record. We're still a little bit like, I don't know. I don't know. Work? I think we've had some before. So the big thing, I guess, is that you and I, we each had our ideas for what we should do this week. And my thing <laughs> was, I would like to discuss Skin Rank. It's a big horror movie. There's not a lot coming out in January. A lot of people big are talking. Big horror movie is a little generous. I mean, it's I a mean, little bit of a micro indie. No, no, I don't mean big in terms of the film. It's a very, very uh, small film. Buzzed about. But there's a lot. It's a big phenomenon as far as the, the horror community is concerned. It's like the paranormal activity of the this decade, I guess. It is and isn't. isn't. Like. Uh, that's what's going to be fascinating to discuss. Um, but you were trying to get a screener for it. Uh, you were not able to get one. Uh, it's playing in some San Francisco theaters, but the show times are all at night because of the film, the you know, being this very dark, creepy horror film. And I guess it doesn't work for your uh, availability. So, uh, you know, I, I thought about reaching out to other people. Uh, it seems like most critics are at uh, Sundance right now, as you would expect. Everybody's so. busy, and like myself included. One of the reasons I can't just like do a screening at night is because I'm like, well, I have like five Sundance movies to watch a day that expire. So I'm like, well, I get <laughs> like it. It's, it's tricky. Yeah, it's tricky. But uh, I mean, I'll let you speak for yourself on this. But you wanted to discuss a show, a, a phenomenon of a show called The Last mm. of Us, and I tried telling Wells like, look, the first episode's ninety minutes. That's a feature length, and Will was all up in his feelings that like he won't watch it. He refuses. And well, we, we could have had we could have had some kind of a compromise, but neither of us would budge. I mean, again, I, I've said this before and I'll say it again. I feel it's a slippery slope when we talk about TV and I get you Which like to make why. exceptions when you, <laughs> uh, you know, we did the rehearsal last year because we, uh, you know, had to do some episodes in advance. We weren't able to see some of the films that would be coming out. Uh, in those weeks, so we just kind of did that, and I, we both really liked the show, wanted to talk about it. Um, you did like Stranger Things uh, last year at some point. That was probably the most contentious thing when mm, I was like, yeah, I don't was, want, I'm not watching Stranger yeah. Things. I'm going to talk about Stranger Things. You're like, well, who? What am I going to do? I ain't seeing the minions. I'm like, we're going <laughs> to have to do split custody of the show. We had the Civil War. Yeah, that that was a, but I feel like that wasn't even that contentious compared to this. My idea for this one was you talk about Skin and Rink, I talk about Last of Us, which and makes a little no bit sense a, to me. Yeah, it's sleeping in separate rooms, you know. <laughs> but like, I mean, the main reason I want because everyone's kind of said what they had to say about Skin and Rink. I wanted to actually have kind of a civil discussion about the film, and I wanted to hear from the perspective of someone who's watched it at home because I'm very curious to see how the experiences compare because I saw in theaters. 
But we should say it's going to be on Shutter pretty soon, isn't yes. it? Like, so I'm hoping we can do a bonus episode. Yeah, I'm. That's what I'm hoping. Um, and then maybe we can bring a guest on. I'll do discuss. a bonus of Skinnerink if uh, we do a Last of Us episode. I mean, you're welcome to do a bonus of Last of Us <laughs> with whomever you want. I mean, I'm not saying you, you can't do this it. Is, this is how we last in a I just, I don't get. Well, why? Well, for one, why not just do like you did with House of Dragon and just do the season when it's done? I probably will. I probably will. I just want to get you to watch Last of Us. That's all it is. I just have no interest in it. It would just not be a fun review for me because I don't. I don't mm-hmm. have any interest in the show. And why would I want to watch like three hours of a show I'm not playing the watch it's anymore? Not even three hours. It's ninety minutes. Ninety the, minutes. The pilot's ninety minutes, but there are two episodes out right now. Oh yeah, but you don't have to watch the other two episodes. You could just be like, oh, I watched first. But what's I mean, the okay, point? Yeah, the ship is that ship is sailed. Um, I actually do think it's a pretty, pretty interesting show and, uh, it's, it's, I'm a big fan of the games. And so I've been curious sure. what more people who haven't played the games think of it. Uh, my wife has been watching it, for example, and she's never played the games and she's, she's actually said that she's actually interested in like what the games are like because, uh, how much, you know, she's getting into the show. So, oh, I you're trying to convert me into a gamer. This makes sense. I mean, look, I wouldn't I wouldn't argue against that being a fun little side effect. But no, that's not my main motivation. here. That'll be a cold day in hell when that happens. So where we've settled on this episode that we're taking forever to get into here is we're going to talk about the 2023 Oscar nominations. And I know like every year we usually talk about the nominations when we do our if we choose the winners or if we pick the winners, but we usually don't do that until like right before the ceremony. So this is going to be sort of a precursor thing, just kind of like our, our instant reaction since the nominations just happened this week. And I know I haven't had a lot of time to really dwell on the nominees. I haven't looked through all the nominees. I've been way too busy. I've just sort of seen people be like, Oh, did you hear about this? Did you hear about this? So I know a bunch of them, but we're going to go through them. And then we'll also want to talk about women talking, which came out, forever ago sure and so i don't know how we're going to talk about women no wait it didn't come out forever ago it just came out why this past weekend that's why i wanted to discuss it oh i thought you just picked it because you were like well here's a movie i mean (laughs) i can't confused i can't speak for uh you know i know it came out in new york and other cities earlier than this but at least in my area it just came out and it was coming out in um in relation to the Oscar nominations for which it was nominated. Okay, for Okay, I didn't. I didn't see it having like any sort of wide release. I just saw it coming out in San Francisco, like in December. I think. Okay, you goof. Yeah, it just went well, wide this weekend. Like, well, that's why I was pushing for it so long. <laughs> yeah, women be talking, but every every all month long. To your point, to your uh, credit, I do believe that. Yeah, we both saw this pushing three months ago now. Uh, yeah, it's and, been a long time. Yeah, and so it's not fresh in our minds and i don't think unfortunately either of us are like super enthused by the film so it may not be like a super fun discussion and it's not like a you know it's a pretty heavy film so it's not like a a fun one to kind of joke about and pal around about so i kind of get your nervousness and it would be nice to have you know like a guest who was maybe a little bit more enthused we can kind of have a more civil discussion but since time was of the essence and it was the film that both of us had seen i thought it made sense to discuss it that was my thinking here yeah, my my knee jerk recommendation to people listening is if you want a more nuanced conversation about women talking where like women critics are talking about it, that's probably going to suit you better than this. But, you know, we'll still share our thoughts I and mean, sure. we'll give our honest evaluations. But, yeah, I don't think we'll be very definitive, I think, and not that we usually are uh, in terms of what we think about it and its place in the Oscar race and all that stuff. 
So yeah, I guess we can just get into the Oscars then. Sure. I just brought up the Oscars website, but first I'm going to ask you, Will, mm. since I assume you've already had a chance to really go through this. I don't have like a full picture mm. of how the Oscars went this year, but were there any surprises for you? Did anything sort of pop out over anything else? Like, do you think that this is like a solid list of movies here? I know 2022 uh, was not as a favorite year for you as it was for me necessarily. So I, I don't mean, know where you stand. I think it's kind of similar to a lot of years where some of the films I really do love, I really champion. I'm happy to see them get recognized. Other films, I'm kind of like, yeah, sure, fine. That like, you can get a nomination too. Okay, <laughs> um, this might as well happen. Yeah, and uh, I feel like the big surprise for me, at least, uh, was that Triangle of Sadness had a better showing than I anticipated. Um, cause and I, I mean, had, we talked about that one hitting best picture. Mm, yeah. I mean, it wasn't it's out like of one the, of the dark realm. horses. Yeah. It wasn't out of the realm of possibility. It was certainly in my, like, like you said, dark horses. If I, uh, made a list, I just thought based on kind of the, the waves that were happening with the Academy seeming to really warm up to the whale that seemed like that could maybe get a best picture nomination, not to say it deserved one or that it deserved it more than triangle of sadness, though we can discuss that film in a little bit. Um, even though you haven't seen it, but, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I, it, I just thought it was kind of looking more likely that the whale would get nominated over, uh, triangle of sadness. So I was a little surprised by that. And I was even more surprised that Rupert Oslin got a uh, best director nomination. He got it over like, um, let's see. I mean, I know Edward Berger was being tipped to get a best director nomination. I know uh, James Cameron was getting tipped to get best director nomination. There are certainly a lot of hopes for other films, you know, to get recognized. And so I was a little surprised by that more than anything. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm just looking at director for the first time and I didn't realize that uh, triangle of sadness. It's like the only major movie on this entire list that I have not seen. And I right. had plenty of, I, I have triangle of sadness, like on my desk, I can watch it anytime and I want. Why I was asking, like, are you actually going to plan to watch it? I guess. I mean, I was hoping that it would just get snubbed so I wouldn't have to bother, but I mean, <laughs> I mean, I was always going to check it out at some point. It's just, it was just never up high on my priority list. Yeah. It's not a film I loved. It, it's not a film I would have nominated for best picture or best director. Uh, but it's not a film I dislike either. I feel like I'm, mm. I don't know, of the eat the rich satires of which we got several last year, I would put it below glass onion, but above the menu. Um, I do have a bone to pick with the Oscars this year because I, I genuinely am kind of surprised at how much RRR did not get only one nomination. And that was I for mean, music. The yeah. original song, Not Too, Not Too, which it will almost certainly win. And I hope um, it does. Because I think a lot of people voting are to be like, what the hell? Like, no no nomination for Best International Feature Film, let alone Best Picture. Like, come on. Um, it is kind of wild. I mean, I think like every, every other... So I'm in two critics groups, uh, Critics' Choice and Hollywood Critics. And RRR like swept in terms of nominations and won a lot of stuff. And so it's just, it is wild to me and not wild in a surprising way because it's the Oscars. Like you should never be surprised by the Oscars snubbing really good action movies. Uh, it is kind of a rite of passage, but 
Yeah, for it to get almost completely snubbed, uh, that and Nope are the two big ones oh, for me, sure. where I'm just like, what in the world is going on here, guys? Wait, come on. I mean, I would have loved if either got nominated, especially uh, Raja Moli for Best Director. Uh, I mean, I was, there was some hope, especially like towards uh, the dates leading up to the announcements, uh, that you know, like it was like, okay, maybe it's going to happen. I never really put stock in it would happening for sure, but I was always kind of like, Here's hoping. It was in my dark horse as well. I was like, here's hoping. I would really love if this movie got nominated over several other films that are predicted to get nominated. Uh, yeah, I mean, it didn't pan out, and I can't say I'm like shocked by it, but it is. Yeah, it's disappointing. I also so I'm also I'm looking at the original song categories. There's applause from "Tell It Like a Woman," which yep. I don't know how that snuck in there. Well, it, look at the names underneath those, bud. Yeah, Diane Warren. What? There's the mystery. Where's the mystery, man? That's the <laughs> she gets nominated every time she has a song, right? She's getting an honorary Oscar this year. So which is uh, like that. And then also the everything everywhere all at once song. This is a life. I don't even remember an original song in that movie. I mean, it's been a while. Oh, is that nominated uh, the, too? Well, let me look yeah, at these. Is, uh, that's what I'm seeing right here. And yeah, over over songs like Chow Papa from Pinocchio. That That is very strange to me because that was uh, another song that was getting plenty of recognition in other awards category or other awards groups and so yeah the academy plays by its own set of uh, <laughs> expectations you know best picture i'm i'm whatever about like again like i it's not like i was expecting nope to get best picture um i was really hoping for rrr i was like please 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 but also i was like i know i know what the deal is but one thing that did kind of surprise me here i mean all quiet on the western front got the nomination which i think you and i really over the last month have been saying like, yeah, it's probably going to happen. And we, we were both thinking like, yeah, probably Elvis is going to be one of those ones that gets in there. Top Gun Maverick and Avatar, the two big blockbusters, everything everywhere all at once, of course. But I, for sure, Women Talking was not one that I was like, really, I, I was feeling like it was losing the momentum. I felt like it was just a movie that had all the great like acting sort of buzz but nece- didn't necessarily have that wow this is like best picture but it it got in and so we'll, we'll talk about what we think of the movie in a minute i guess but i, I still find it kind of weird that that one got selected over others but you know I'm, i know there are a lot of fans of women talking the movie not the concept jeez john hating on women what's what's going on here what else is new? Oh, man. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I wasn't sh- uh, surprised. I kind of figured that would get nominated, but I was, similar to you, kind of wondering if it would get snubbed because it was kind of on the chopping block there. It seemed like by most people's predictions, like they, they kind of had it, you know, like in nine or ten in their predictions for if, what would get nominated. So it was kind of like, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It was one of those where it was like, I was more surprised, I think, by Triangle of Sadness getting in there than uh, Women Talking. But I can... I would have been like a month ago, but I think like in the last several weeks, I've just seen more buzz for Triangle of Sadness and fewer and fewer people giving Women Talking much attention. If anything, you know, like I'm not surprised, for example, that like Babylon is not here. I think that was just kind of like sure. a, a bit of a given at this point. I mean, that was the, uh, an, another kind of like dark horse, like maybe could get in because Hollywood loves Hollywood, but it didn't seem likely that it would get nominated. It seemed like the Academy would be repulsed by it. Honestly, it did get 
a costume design nomination, an original score nomination, which uh, actually, you know, I, I, I did what I said I would do last night. Re-listened back to the score for Babylon because you said you were like, no, no, it's actually really good. Give it another shot. And yeah. you're right. You're right. It's a really great score. I, I, I enjoyed revisiting it. Uh, re-listened to it a couple times. So uh, one of the few times I take I oh wow I uh, agree with you Will after I form an opinion on something what an honor I'd like to thank the Academy <laughs> also uh, production design as well it got the nomination which is is interesting it's a you know I I think I, I voted Babylon for production design in Critics Choice because say what you will about the movie I mean the production design is in, is incredible so yeah uh, it got it got some notice it got some. I'm looking over the nominations now. Let me see if I can find it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, some of the other categories, as far as like production is concerned, I didn't really pay as close attention to. Um, I'll admit, but uh, let's see. Uh, actually, I don't think production is on my list. So, what were the nominees? Oh, wait, here it is. All Quiet on the Western Front. Avatar, Babylon, Elvis, Fables. Yeah, I, mean, I don't think there are any like surprises here. I know some people were thinking that um, everything ever at once would get a nomination here. I think. Yeah, especially over Fablemans. That, that's the one that kind of sticks out to me because not not to hate on the Fablemans. I mean, I, I think that it's really well done, like recreating these like you know childhood home movies and everything. But I don't know over a couple other movies like. No, I'm just going to say it. R, R, R. I mean, the production design of that movie is like an, on another level. But, you know, I'm sure. just going to keep banging that drum. Yeah. No, I mean, believe me, man. If R, R swept, I would have been overjoyed. Uh, and, and especially considering that's been kind of an uphill battle because India didn't pick it for, um, you know, Best International Feature as their submission. And uh, I don't know if you want to talk about so wild to me. that category or not. Um because there are some surprises in there, too, which I mean, that category is always kind of filled with a few surprises, I think, in any given year. Like, I remember um, last year, there was that movie. Um, I forget the full title of it. It was like a yak in the classroom. It was on like nobody's <laughs> yeah, prediction yeah, yeah. list. Everyone was just kind of like, oh, that's a movie. It's on the list. Yeah, maybe they'll consider sure. it. And it was like the Academy was like a yak in the classroom. Can <laughs> you believe it yeah i mean i think it's a it's definitely a international feature film is definitely a little bit more close to i think what i expected than okay. usual um, um i mean the big all quiet on the all quiet on the western front in argentina 1985 were practically givens written sure. in the stars eo was certainly up there as like for sure like critics love it it'll probably work for the academy Close and The Quiet Girl, like Close definitely got a lot of pickup. I'm not surprised about that one. The Quiet Girl was definitely like on the list. It was definitely around. It was definitely one of those movies where, okay, like they, they certainly have some, uh, you know, they ha- it has some notice. My thing with the, the Quiet Girl, though, is it's Ireland's pick. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised it's not something like Banshees of Any Sheeran, which is also an Irish film. Well, like, I'm not really sure I get like why this over that. If that makes sense, because Banshees of Inisherin gets nominated for Best Picture, why not International Feature Film? It's it's kind of confusing to me how the logistics and politics of all that worked out, but who knows? Yeah, I'm not quite well, sure. Quiet Girl, by the way, I haven't seen. Yeah, I, that's one of the ones I haven't seen. I started um, Argentina in 1985. I'm hoping to finish it soon. Um, yeah, I have, a, I have a little notepad from the studio. I'll show it to you, Will Ashton. From Amazon Prime? Yeah. 
got this like little Argentina 1985 booklet, oh, okay. a little pen. That's cool. It's really cool. Yeah. I like it a lot. Um, I haven't written any notes in it yet. I'm probably going to like rape whiskeys or something. Mm, okay. Uh, I was going to say, I was surprised that Decision to Leave didn't get a nomination here. Yeah, Decision to Leave, which uh, I'll double check, but I don't think it got anything here. Yeah, nothing. No. And I mean. Which breaks my heart. Uh, but I mean, it's it. It's not exactly a new phenomenon for Park Chan-wook. Uh, has been shut out quite a bit before, yeah. Handmaiden in particular. And I know people thought, like, hey, look, Decision to Leave. It's not Handmaiden. It's not It's not as uh, pornographic. It's not as erotic. So the Academy f- might find Decision to Leave to be a more palatable mm-hmm. uh, Wook film, Chan Wook film. But no. I, I mean, not. I'm not exactly sure why it got uh, snubbed entirely. Um, it could be. I mean, this was like movie's first major release. Uh, I don't know if they were just, you know, kind of green to the whole thing and just weren't really able to get the word out as effectively as some of these other films, you mm-hmm. know, cause you know, like EO had Janice, um, obviously, uh, all quiet in the Western front is Netflix, Amazon prime, yeah, had Argentina, 1985, a 24, close. Uh, I can't say I know which studio is behind a quiet girl, but, uh, I mean, you know, a 24, maybe once upon a time was like, not as good about getting the word out outside of obviously moonlight winning best picture. But now it seems like they're obviously this year, they, they, really stepped above and beyond to get their films to get recognized. It seemed like those other ones probably had, you know, if we're going to look in the politics of this, that probably is what played it. But I don't know if that's the case or if it's just like you said, the Academy just has some weird bone to pick with Park Chan-wook and we're just not really into the film. But yeah, it was disappointing because I mean, I mean, that was certainly among, you know, my top 20 or 30 favorite films of the year. I would have loved to have seen that get nomination, but uh, alas, didn't happen. It's a good. It's a really good year for A24 because they have a nominee in a lot of the major categories. Uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once, as you just mentioned, but they also have Marcel Shell Shoes on for animated feature film, which not everybody thought was going to come through. And then Paul Mescal got a nomination for After Sun. Yeah, that was a, not like a shock, but a little surprising, I guess. I mean, was it a guarantee? Some people thought it was going to be Tom Cruise. Mm-hmm. Um, there was someone else that was kind of tipped to maybe get a best actor nomination I'm trying to think who that was. Um, um, but yeah, I mean, Mesquel was definitely getting a good bit of buzz and I was, you know, kind of pulling for him too. Cause it's such, uh, not only a beautiful understated performance, but the type of performances I feel like the Academy doesn't always look at and recognize. Yeah. And yeah. it was, uh, yeah, it was just like a nice to see like a kind of muted, but very calculated and poignant performance like that really get recognized. And, distinguished by the academy and, and hopefully will allow people more people i mean to uh check out after some a24 also has close as you already said and then they also have the whale for a couple of categories here too i think uh, makeup and hairstyling and uh actor obviously and uh hong chow got the actress in a supporting role nom which uh i i certainly was like kind of expecting but again it wasn't something that i thought was a total given either uh, good year for Netflix. I mean, they have a good, definitely good that they have uh, All Quiet on the Western Front really coming through at the last second. You know, it, that's a movie that I remember getting the email about it back in October. Uh, I forgot too, and it w- it was a Netflix movie w- that Germany was going to like be selecting, and there wasn't that much hyper buzz about it at the time. I, I don't think like Netflix really thought it was going to go this far, but I remember in December. 
it, there was a little bit of like, hey, like this movie is like the real deal. Like it's it's something that can really pick up some steam because critics are really loving it. And Netflix is starting to amp up how much attention they're going to put on it. And as we've kind of seen, like with Glass Onion, <laughs> not really getting much attention here. Glass Onion, I think it only got one nomination for uh, adapted screenplay, which I don't think it's going to win. Uh, I don't think it has a really good chance, honestly. I think that's between like All Quiet on the Western Front and Women Talking. And I honestly think Women Talking, that could be its win, <laughs> honestly, because uh, All Quiet on the Western Front is such a loose adaptation. But hey, sometimes the, the Academy f- likes that sort of thing. But uh, yeah, I mean, Netflix has All Quiet like in so many categories. One of the, one of the big sneak, you know, movies to come through i mean visual effects sound best picture obviously international feature production design i mean is it the most nominated movie aside from everything everywhere all at once because it doesn't have acting noms I don't um think. it's up there i mean is it more than banshees i think it's more than banshees i'd have to do a tally but yeah if i had to like off the top of my head guess i think everything everywhere has the most just barely, and then all quiet is my guess, but yeah, I don't know for sure. Okay, uh, Banshees is up there too, though, and yeah, also uh, they do have Bardo, False Chronicle, The Handful of Truths for cinematography. Yeah, but uh, you know that's not you know another interesting one where you know Bardo got a couple of mentions, but it, it's not on Best International. But they do also have Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio for animated feature film, which I think it has a strong chance. Uh, I think that yeah. You know, there's a Puss in Boots campaign going on. Bless them. Let's see what happens. But yeah, yeah I, I think it's Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. And, uh, mm-hmm. uh, I was going to say, they also have the Sea Beast, which was kind of yeah, surprising. which is a good movie. Okay, I still need to see that one. So I was going to ask you about that. I mean, I, there are seven films, feature films, not counting the short films, that I haven't mm-hmm. seen that were nominated. Um, I'm going to try, because last year was the first year ever in my you know, time on this planet that I had seen all the nominated films, including the shorts before the award ceremony. I don't know if you uh, care about the Oscars enough to see all these films out, but I still need to see blonde Argentina, 1985, the quiet girl, oh. Causeway, tell it like a woman house made of splinters and sea beast. So um, yeah, you've seen a, f- a couple of those at least uh, maybe a few. Yeah, I haven't seen House of Splinters, Tell It Like a Woman. I haven't seen Living. Um, which Was that one on your list, did you say? No, I saw Living at Sundance last year. Okay, okay. Uh, I also haven't seen To Leslie, yeah. uh, which, is that also A24, actually? No. So that, I mean, the story no. about that one is pretty wild, uh, as far as the yeah, yeah. Uh, Oscar nomination. I don't know how much you've heard about that. I saw that one at South by Southwest. I don't actually know who the distributor is off the top of my head for that film. I'm checking it now because honestly, like I hadn't really heard of this movie much before. Like I'd seen, you know, I, I didn't really get anything from the studio, but I did get some kind of like poster thing at one point. But uh, yeah, I mean, this movie kind of came out of nowhere for a lot of people because it was yeah. really a campaign for Andrew Riseborough. But that's the one nomination for it. Uh, looks like it's Michael Morris film. And yeah, yeah it's uh, Momentum Pictures, which okay. uh, I'm not super familiar with, honestly. Yeah, I mean, that's a weird thing is that it, I think, really, I mean, maybe it went to like a few minor film festivals. I don't know, but I know the only real festival it went to, or like the, the only major film festival, I should say, not the only real festival, um, is uh, South by Southwest. And yeah, it premiered there. I think it got pretty good reviews. I remember liking it. Um, like you said, it's Michael Morris who directed some of the best um, episodes, Better Call Saul. 
it had a nice kind of like uh you know gritty shot on film character driven piece uh andrea risenborough is really good in it mark maron's good in it uh yeah it's like solid but not really like super memorable just kind of like yeah like it's a dependable character drama uh it like came out in limited release in theaters and on video on demand in like october i want to say and like it, it made a pretty minuscule amount of money was not really talked about much when it came out but then there was like this big awards push that came very late in the game by uh like several notable actors like Gwyneth paltrow and several others um where they all kind of shared like the same tweet it was like a very online campaign, but they're like, Andrew Risenborough is like one of the best performances of the year. Incredible performance. I'm nominating her for best actress, hashtag Oscars. And they like all had like the same tweet, if not very similar, like maybe slight variations. And everyone was just kind of like, okay, that's weird, but fine. Uh, good luck to Andrew Risenborough. And then Amy Adams is also like coming out, but she also hosted a like Q and a in New York to kind of drum up attention and buzz for his performance. And it was like one of the, she was saying it was like one of the best performances she'd ever seen. Or one of the actors had said that, uh, I was like, okay, I mean, it seems like there's a lot of interest in this film now. And then, yeah, I mean, people weren't, uh, expecting it to get nominated. I think there were certainly a lot of people who thought it was going to be either, um, Viola Davis or, um, Danielle, uh, how do you pronounce her last name? Uh, Danielle Deadweiler for Till. Yeah. Which uh, Till, I don't think, got anything. Nope. It got shut out entirely. Um, But yeah, I think everyone was sort of expecting those two actresses to get nominated over Anya DeArmas and Andrea Risenborough. And so, I I mean, I don't think everyone was like shocked about Anya DeArmas, but I think a lot of people were surprised about Andrea Risenborough, to be sure. I mean, I'm shocked by the Anna DeArmas thing because... I mean, it's a terrible movie. It, it's a garbage movie. And I, it's you, not that Anadarmus is bad in it. But okay, so that's the thing. Is that, Do you like her what's performance? The point? No, okay. I don't like her performance at all. And it, it's not it's not anything to her. I just think she's in a bad movie. So it's not a, it's not a good performance in a bad movie. I, I think it's a bad performance because of a bad movie. And that happens sometimes. Sometimes you get the latter or the former. But in this case, no. So I'm not sure what's going on there. The, the other movies I haven't seen, I haven't seen Bardo. False Chronicle of a Handful of Truths yet. Uh, it's on Netflix. I'm going to get to it. Uh, Empire of Light. I'm also going to get to I have a screener for it. And, uh, you know, that got the cinematography nod for Roger Deakins. And, you know, I, I'm i not expecting it to be good based on what I've heard. But, you know, I'm hap- I would be happy to be surprised uh, by it. I would say I'm on the same page with Bardo and Empire Light. I didn't hate either of them. I, I wouldn't rush out to see either of them either. Yeah, it's like I've I just kind of had them on the back burner because I'm going to watch them because... I'm interested in, you know, really the story behind the movies more than anything else and and kind of where they fit in, you know, particularly Sam Mendes' filmography. I'm curious, like, where where he's at with his career. That's more where my interest lies. And uh, but they're they're bus movies. They're movies I'm going to watch on the bus, like that kind of thing. And then uh, Mrs. Harris goes to Paris. Uh, Bardo would be a wild movie to watch on the bus, I'll say. Oh, is it? Yeah, <laughs> is that, is that uh, not for public consumption? <laughs> uh, it's it's just a, it'll, you might get some side eyed looks. Uh, I'll say. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm usually like pretty isolated on the bus, so yeah. like, I don't have to. I mean, I'm, it's usually pretty private. It's not like the movie's like super graphic or anything. It just it does it goes in some directions. I'll say. Okay. Um, I mean, I was able to watch Infinity Pool on the bus, and so. Oh really? <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I mean, there wasn't anyone around me. No one, no one noticed. It, yeah, there was some weird stuff in that movie. But someone looked over. Uh, is, that, uh, is that me? A if I can give you some advance notice. I think people were overhyping. 
that movie a bit in terms of the graphic stuff. It's like, mm. I, I was not, I was a little bit like, well, oh, when does it get to the part where I'm going to be like, you know, disgusted for the rest of my life? Like, okay. I mean, can I be real with you? That's also how I kind of felt about Possessor when there was like the uncut thing. And I was like, oh, okay, when's this going to get like really graphic? And there's like one scene where it's pretty violent. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, that's kind of how I felt about that movie. I was kind of like, oh, you know, it's not that great. Yeah, but I, I like that movie for other reasons. But uh, Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris. I haven't seen that. Oh, and then I uh, already movie. mentioned. I know. I uh, already mentioned I haven't seen Triangle of Sadness, but I will see it. That that one's pretty high up in the priority list now. <laughs> sure. Um, that's almost all. Well, no, the documentaries I was pretty behind on because in general, I didn't see a lot of them. I did see Nalvany and oh, fire too. of love mm-hmm. but yeah those are the only two that i i have seen of them i haven't seen all that breathes uh which i didn't really have on my oh that's a you know priority list that's a good documentary yeah it's one with the yeah. birds i'll check it out and then all the beauty in the bloodshed that's been really high on my priority list for yeah. a while i've been told that it's like for me that's good um and a house made of splinters uh, like i said before yeah but I, I gotta say i i just watched beyond utopia at sundance and like I'm I'm gearing for some good documentaries after that because that was a really good one. Okay, and so I'm, oh, I'm kind of on the documentary like, you uh, know, buzz. You see, know? I thought you were going to go the opposite direction. You're like, I need oh, to see I a good a... documentary because that one stunk. <laughs> no, there there were some really good ones this year. Um, I'd say that like the Michael J. Fox one and uh, the Little Richard one, um, the disappearance of Cher Heights and Beyond Utopia. Those are the docs I saw at Sundance so far, and I don't know if I'll see any more, um, but. They were all good. Like they were all like up there with like Fire of Love, which was like the I felt like the only doc I saw last year that that end. Uh, oh no, that's not true. Aftershock and Descendant, I actually really dug yeah. too. And and uh, I don't remember Descendant. if I saw Navalny at Sundance, but um, I was expecting to get nominated. Uh, got uh, stumped as well. Which one? Descendant. Descendant. Yeah, I, I I didn't know for sure if that one would come along. That and Aftershock had. I think Aftershock probably had the best chance for an Academy Award nom, but you know, I mean, what are you gonna do? Um, I was—I don't know—I I felt pretty confident about Descendant getting nominated, so I was surprised mm. by that one because it was Netflix. It had the Obamas behind it. I thought it was gonna because the uh, the last one that they did, or at least one of the last ones they did, was the what was the Factory one? I just yeah uh, yeah the uh, I don't remember that was like what twenty eighteen whatever yeah um, I mean I just it was they the had one the, about Foxconn or whatever sure I. Oh, no, it was the one where it's like the factory, right, that they built in America. Yeah. Made in America or something. Uh, and it was like a Chinese factory they built here that didn't work out. Something. I don't know. I, I thought it, I it forgot was, the name. I thought it was like two words. Like I thought it was like American factory or something. But I can't. Yeah, I think um, I think you might have said it right okay. there. Okay. Um, I didn't see the movie. American factory, a conversation with the Obamas. Oh, maybe that's like a movie about the I don't know. movie. So I just think it's American factory. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that but, one um, won uh, a few years ago, I believe. Yeah, yeah, and look, I I like to send it. I guess I just I didn't hear enough chatter about it. You know, it just wasn't one that I think really resonated with as many people's American Factory. So, sure. I, I haven't seen any of the documentary short films. I didn't. I haven't seen any of the short films um, in here. general. I usually don't check them out uh, ahead of wow. time. Okay. Ahead of time, I guess you know. Mm, come on, I, I, uh, I see what you're doing there. Okay. <laughs> uh, i saw everything in film editing um i already mentioned that i haven't seen closer the quiet girl or argentina 1985 I, d- I didn't see a lot um yeah john mr i watch all these movies no i told you i'm i'm trying to like not cross movies off a checklist i'm not um, just i'm not binging movies as much as i used to no, I, I, uh, tell it like a woman yeah. i haven't seen that 
Yeah. I, did anyone you see? You used to support me. <laughs> did anyone see Tell It Like a Woman, like a single soul? Oh, yeah. Diane Warren. Sure. No, I'm just kidding. She didn't watch it. Um, uh. <laughs> it's like an anthology film, right? Like it's. Um, I know nothing about it. Okay. Did you see Causeway? Yes. Okay. I, that's one I haven't seen. It, so how is Brian Tyree Henry? Because I love him. You know, he's, a he's great, really good in it. Okay. Because I um, was a little surprised that he got nominated over Paul Dano, but I haven't seen his performance, so I can't speak. I like it. his performance better than to Paul Dano, to be honest with you. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, he, I think he's the best part of that movie. I think that Jennifer Lawrence is really solid in it, but there, to me, is my little, my little mini review. Causeway is one of those movies where it's like, here's a movie where the main actress is kind of like staring longingly at vistas and dealing with emotional trouble. She's not very charismatic in it otherwise. And so when you have Brian Tyree Henry coming in, he just like, he brings all the energy to the movie and they're a good balance. Like they complement each other really well in it. My, my only thing with it is that I just think that Tyree Henry is like awake in the role. And I just feel like it's a lot, it's very repetitive in terms of how Lawrence kind of comes across. It picks up a little bit toward the end, but yeah, just, I, you know, it, it's okay. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's an interesting movie, it, but it's better showcase for Henry than anybody else. It's a movie. Else. What do you want Brian from Tyree me? Henry. Yeah, he's in it, you know? <laughs> that's uh, uh, another 824 film. Haven't seen any. Yeah, that's right. I forgot. Uh, that's a uh, A24 with Apple TV. That's correct. Uh, plus. Yeah. Uh, also I haven't seen any, I already said I hadn't seen any of the short films, but that does include animated and live action. Mm-hmm. Um, so plenty of stuff there. And then that might be it. I don't know if there's anything else. Um, uh, did I say living already? I haven't seen that. Yeah. That got nominated for actor and adaptive screenplay, I believe. That's right. Um, but yeah, so that covers it. That's everything I haven't seen. Sure. Like 20 movies. Wow. Pretty much. You got to catch up my friend. I'm, I'm not going to see every single thing, but I'll watch it. A bunch of those. Sure. I'll probably prioritize like the international stuff, mm-hmm. the documentaries yeah. and uh, like triangle of sadness, basically. Sure. I would, uh, I'll be very curious to hear what you think about all that breeze. I think you'll like that one a lot. Oh, cool. Uh, I'm looking forward to it, but uh, should we, should we talk about women talking? Sure. Let's keep talking, man. So women talking is, do you see uh, the play on words I did there where I said I, talking, I, I heard it. I and didn't then see man, it. And then, because we're talking Man. about women, do you, see, you get what I'm doing here? It'll make more sense in the transcript. Sure. Uh, Sarah Polly, uh, who has made a few other films. Uh, I, I've only seen one other movie from her. Uh, it's a little, little blessed movie I really, really have always loved called Take This Waltz. Uh, oh, are you okay. a fan? Um, I was going to say, I, I like that movie, but I feel like I love her other two more. Like, I really love Away We seen. Go other ones um i really like away we go and i really like the documentary she made in 2012 which i believe was like stories we tell yeah was that the same year as take this waltz or like the year after it was a year after so take this waltz is 2011 yeah and i thought that was a tremendous documentary um yeah so i i really like those films i also enjoyed take this waltz uh but i've been very excited for her to come back because i was like you know a really solid run of three films you know, mm-hmm. from this up and coming actress turned filmmaker. And then it was quiet for a while. Yeah. Away from her was uh, her first one, right? Yeah, that's correct. Okay. Yeah. So like 2006, 2007, and she is back. Uh, she is a Canadian uh, director, but she's also acted. She's uh, she's sung. She's a screenwriter as well. And I, I think she like started out as an actress on like TV, uh, but I don't know much about her. 
her like uh her achievements like before that well, but uh, you know she's known for her screenplays mm-hmm. um i think she got like some awards attention for her first film and then you know take this waltz continues to be debated in many a film school you know classroom near you i guess yeah i mean actress wise i mean she was in the remake of dawn of the dead Zack snyder's uh dawn of the dead she was a star of that film <coughs> um, excuse me and then uh was that you violently reacting to Zack snyder's dawn of the dead <laughs> yeah it sort of is i was like excuse me well, don't you remember she's the star of that film? Uh, no, I forgot. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> uh, I haven't seen Dawn of the Dead since it came out. Sure. It's been um, almost 20 years. I mean, she was in Splice. Do you remember that movie? Yeah, so doesn't she play the um, the main doctor? Lady? Well, one of them, it's like her and, uh, I want to say, Adrian Brody. I said Doctor Lady. Sure, okay, I, I missed a- that part. Yeah, Adrian then- Brody is not the Doctor Lady. Um, and then she's also was in the adventures of Baron Munchensite. Munchensen? Munchausen? Uh, Munchausen, that's it, yeah. Did he say it? Yeah, uh, which I never saw, but um, has been kind of a source of controversy because, uh, you know, she's been pretty open of late about how torturous that filmmaking experience was with Terry Gilliam. So, mm. yeah. Uh, I was kind of wondering then if she was going to show up in this movie, like, if, but no, she's she's completely behind the camera unless I missed a, yeah, a cameo well, in the background or something. Well, she didn't act in her previous two narrative films, if I recall correctly. No. So I don't think she splits her time between, you know, the screen, you know, on and off camera when she's directing. Uh, so in my letterbox review, I joked a little bit, I had a little bit of fun. I called those 12 angry women because the, the main setup for it is that we're following this colony, like a modern colony that looks like it's not modern. Um, it's based on kind of a true, or I think it's like loosely based on a true setup that happened. I don't know how close to reality it is, but essentially there was this like group of people who lived out in, uh, I forget what country it is, but uh, it's like a, I want to say like an Eastern European country. I might be wrong about that though. And it's like a group of people, it's like a religious sect, you know, not necessarily like a cult, like it doesn't have like the usual heightened hallmarks of a cult, but it's culty, you know, it's like, we want to go back to tradition, we want to like, essentially have like an Amish lifestyle, so they don't have like a lot of modern technology, they just kind of like live on their own with like their husbands, and it's, it's very different, it's very religious, and the most of this movie, like a Basically, all of it, except for flashbacks, is this group of women all played by some of our best actresses, you know, and, you know, of the current day, our best white actresses are hanging out in a barn while the men are gone and they are talking. They're talking about how a recent uh, really like they talk about it as like a scourge, you know, as it is of men abusing them um, sexually and emotionally and in all those ways and what they should do about it. Should they leave the colony? And if they do, how do they do that logistically? How do they escape? Um, Should they abandon their husbands? Do they take their kids with them or should they stay? And if they stay, what are the ramifications of that? And the entire time they have one man in the group, he's the local school teacher and he's recording everything down and he's just kind of listening to what they're saying he's a, he's the the ally i guess i don't know he's supposed to be kind of like the neutral dude i guess but it's a it's a pretty harrowing film and uh, it's a mennonite colony sorry i just saw that in the uh, description here and it it looks 
very like downtrodden, you know, it has like that blue filter, you know, that's how you know things are bleak uh, on the screen. And as I mentioned, the, the acting in here, like the acting power of these, of these performers is, it, it is, it is something because we have Rooney Mara, we have Claire Foy, we have Jesse Buckley, we have Judith Ivey and Frances McDormand, uh, Sheila, McCarthy, uh, Sheila McCarthy, and then the one male actor is Ben Wishaw. Uh, we have a bunch of other like you know kids and stuff like that, but yeah. I mean it's just like a powerhouse of yeah. acting talent all just kind of colliding in one place, and that's that's the basic setup. Yeah, and every time Ben Wishaw talked, I was just in the audience shaking my head. Being Excuse like, me. What, what movie Did does you not this guy, see the title yeah, card? Exactly. I was like, what movie does this guy think he's in? <laughs> exactly. How dare he? Yeah. Yeah. He just saw the the men talking. He didn't pay attention to the, to the WO. He's like, what, without men talking? Is that what you meant? Um, yeah. Paddington let us down. But uh, I, I don't like this movie. Um, I think this movie is really like a lot of to do about... A, a story that's told, I think, in the blandest way. And as much as I enjoy watching these incredible performers shout at each other, it, it, none of it really rings true. None of it hits. And I've been I've been coming up with a new construct, Will Ashton. You want to hear it? Of how I determine movies to be good, bad, okay. mediocre, or bad in an interesting way. I am very curious to hear this. Go ahead. I I, I really like it. I call it the John method. Um and it's how it's how I you know everybody has their own way of evaluating like do I like this? Some people like a movie because like it makes yeah. them laugh. Or, I mean, you know, uh, you know Ebert has rules and all that. Yeah, yeah, it's, rules yeah. to live by. Yeah, yeah, Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist. I just watched Fair Play. Uh, okay, Sundance movie that is like literally like Jordan Peterson the movie. Mm. Um, okay, that's. Uh, I was hearing good things about that until I heard that. Sentence. Fair Play, I I I like sort of hated uh, oh, wow. but i also really respect it because it was it's really well done but okay. i also hate it hmm. um okay okay here are my rules here are my rules so and i haven't full perfected how i how i put this i'm gonna do the basic version to me a good movie means that i can peer into the director's soul as i watch it into their vision and i like what i see a mediocre movie is i can't peer into the director's soul into their vision but i like what they see i like what i see a bad movie is i cannot peer into the director's soul and i do not like what i see and there are kind of like shades in between i think a movie that's like bad in an interesting way is like i can see i can peer into the director's soul but i don't like what i see and that's like more of a bad movie that i kind of respect and that's kind of what i think of um women talking like, I really see what she's trying to accomplish, and I really see the message of it, and I really see the intention, but I just think it's executed in a way that just does not deliver on that vision. Um, these are my very simplistic rules, but I, I, I don't know. It, for me, it's it kind of contextualizes, like, why am I having an issue with this? Uh, but what do you think? Do, do you, you know, what, what do you think they, what do you think of their decision to leave? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I do appreciate the, that they can have both titles here. Um, was that one of the ones that got picked for that Twitter thread for the posters? Yeah, yeah. Okay. That was probably my favorite one. Yeah, that was a good one. Um, yeah, I mean, I think when we were talking last week for, uh, our, um, best of year list or best of year episode, 
uh, I talked a little bit about Aquai and the Western Front. And granted, I haven't read the adaptations of either of these books. Have you read the book that this is based on, by the way? Women Talking? No. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I might be speaking out of turn for both Aquai and the Western Front and for Women Talking here. So I apologize. But uh, I felt like when I was watching Aquai and the Western Front, I was like, this is working better as a film than as an adaptation of the book. Like, I think it's effective in what it's trying to do as far as what the filmmaker is trying to communicate, but I don't really think it honors the book and what the intent was from what I can gather from the book. I feel like this is sort of the opposite. Like, I think this is probably a more admirable adaptation than it works on its own as a film, if that makes sense. Like, I feel like what it's doing, how it's translating the text feels admirable. I think it's unflinching. I think the performances are very invigorated and captivating and i think it honors the text well but there is a sort of sense that like it's hard to make a story like this inherently cinematic because it is like you said mostly women in this one central dark dimly lit location talking about very oppressive sad heavy things and it's kind of hard to make that very captivating for a long period of time and i think that do commend both sarah Polly and uh the actors at play here for keeping my attention, I think, more than, I guess, at least you. Like, I felt like I was with it for most of it. I didn't really understand a lot of the choices that Sarah Pauly made as a director here. For instance, the color grading is fairly odd. It has a sort of, like, gray-bluish hue, if I remember correctly. Like, it's it's kind yeah. of, like, meant to look sort of black and white, but then, like, have moments of, like, piercing light, like, when the sun comes in. And, like, there are, like, a few shots where it looks nice like i don't know maybe it's me being forgiving but like there's a scene closer to the end without giving too much away where it's like ben with sean i believe uh is it rooney mara or claire foy i think it was rooney mara they're like looking out into the stars and it, it yeah, looks very rooney nice mara. yeah it's rooney mara it looks very nice uh it's very beautifully lit and it's like okay like moments like that really stand out and i appreciate when the movies try to do that to make it like you know, like in these dark, oppressive times, like when you catch these little moments of grandeur, it like can really strike out and seem beautiful. But I also feel like the film would have been benefited more if it just looked more visually interesting throughout. <laughs> so I kind of like, I, I don't know how deliberate these choices were. I heard that Sarah Pauly, I think, wanted to shoot this film in black and white. And uh, I guess either, I don't know if because of the producers or if uh, she's changed her mind or what have you. Uh, for some reason, that wasn't the case. But um, probably to the movie's benefit that it's not, honestly. I mean, yeah. I think that would have been too dreary. But it also kind of, I, I felt it would have been less distracting if it was just in black and white. Like, I feel like having it be kind of an odd mix of the two just looks a little washed out. And, and uh, not as striking. And then there'll be like scenes where like we're following the camera through through uh, like wheat fields and like kids are walking. And it's like, am I in a Prozac ad now? Like, why? What's going on here? <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I mean, I wasn't as, I guess, captivated as I was hoping. I, I definitely had, I guess, higher expectations than you because I love Sarah Pauly's. Uh, uh, filmography, and I, I was really just hoping she could come back in a major way. I don't think this movie really. I agree with you in the sense that, like, I don't think it meets uh, her expectations, and I, I feel like the movie falls short at, at several points. Uh, dramatically, it can be a little inert. It can be a little uh, clunky as far as the presentation. Uh, I know lots been kind of said about like you know having these sort of uh, isolated characters, uh, oppressed, isolated characters, kind of speaking like you know. 
tenured professors in you know a civic kind of discussion can seem a yeah, little yeah there was a tweet that was essentially like i think in analyzing that is like one of the big issues with the movie is that like it's hard to sort of get immersed when they're not talking like you would expect people in a mennonite colony to talk not that people in a mennonite colony aren't educated to any extent but I, I don't know. Have you spent time with like uneducated religious people? Like it's not that they are dumb. It's that like, they also don't talk like they've been in like 10 courses of like women's lit. Like it's a very odd thing. Yeah. I mean, they kind of tried to work around that with like, I think Claire Foy does it the best. Honestly, I actually think that she, to me, I, I bought. Yeah. I mean, they're kind of working around where it's like Ben Wishaw's like, uh, you know, he went to college. He's a little bit more, uh, you know, scholarly and all that. And then I guess he like would have been able to teach the women how to, you know, like he's like teaching some of them how to read and write, but yeah, it, it doesn't feel fully honest. And I feel like that's kind of where like in a book, I feel like that'd be less distracting than in a film. So um, I, I don't know if that's true to the book or not. I can't speak to that, but yeah, I don't know. I guess I have more mixed feelings than you do. I can understand your complaints, but I feel I'm more inclined to recognize what the film does well at the same time. I guess I guess the idea is that like they've been holding all of this angst inside inside and they've been like rehearsing this in their head of like what their issues are, their defenses are for a long time. And this is their chance to like say their case. You know what I mean? And that's kind of why it comes back to like 12 Angry Men for me, because that's a movie about sort of, you know, people at odds over their beliefs and having trouble articulating them. But as they go along, getting more confident in, in their issues and really their commentary on society at large. In terms of this film, um, so we kind of danced around it, but it's based on a, a novel by Miriam Toes, which came out in 2018. And uh, I, I just I looked it up to make sure I have it right. But it's inspired by the real life events that occurred in it's called the Manitoba Colony in Bolivia. So uh, not Eastern Europe, as I thought, uh, but uh, actually Bolivia, uh, which is South America. And it is very interesting then to kind of see this like whitewash version of it. I don't know if that plays differently um, when you have it kind of because it looks like a, something that would happen in, uh, you know, like a, an American Amish sort of setting. Right. Uh, because I think they all have like a mix of accents. I don't really actually remember, but I, that's not really the point. Like the location doesn't really matter. Uh, the movie premiered at Telluride. And yeah, I think... I think if there's one thing about this movie that does work for me, it, it's not the screenplay. Cause I think, I think the screenplay is good for what it is. Cause I do think that you're right in the sense that trying to adapt the novel in this way to make it feel like uh, cinematic in, in some of its inherent limitations is impressive. That's why I think that like it probably has a decent shot at winning the Oscar, but at the same time, it feels like a, it's one of those movies that like feels like a play, but it's not based on a play. But it, at that point, I kind of want to see the play version of this instead. <laughs> you know, I, I think that it, it it could like, if you have like really great actors, just like shouting the themes to the, the back of the room, that's a very like, you know, play sort of appeal in a movie. It's just kind of odd. This movie has a lot of odd moments that like had me scratching my head. One, one that like still sticks in my craw is like, there's this whole thing with, with the Ben Wishaw character where, you know, he's talking about how he can improve the the children, you know, like don't give yeah. up on the young men. And we kind of go through this weird montage of him talking to boys like on a hillside and, and walking with them. And it kind of like 
for me encapsulates how listless this movie is cinematically because like that's such a weird choice that's like that's the kind of scene where like you don't cut away you cut to him because i'm not interested in the experiences he thinks he has with these kids and how much influence he has i'm interested in him trying to sell it and seeing the nuance of his face and like him not really sure if he believes that that to me is the cinematic moment and there are moments there are moments throughout this whole thing where i think she chooses to hide that from the audience instead, or to make it kind of black and white, uh, for lack of a better term. And so that, that for me, ultimately, is why the movie, I just kept losing touch with it and not really following, I think, what Polly really wants to accomplish with it beyond the obvious. Sure. I mean, I think there is something to be said, uh, as you're kind of alluding to, to the repetition of the film, where it, it doesn't feel like a gradual sort of build uh, in a natural sense in a way I think it's trying to like build up suspense kind of build up the like characters coming to these kind of cathartic realizations and really articulating their thoughts you're suggesting the fact that like characters from the onset are really kind of keyed into their thoughts and very vocal and very verbose and able to express themselves from the jump kind of prevents the film from kind of having like that that kind of old realization but I think where the movie really does succeed is with character like um, Jesse Buckley I think is probably one of the standouts with the film. I thought she gave one of the best performances. I feel like she was the one that kind of worked around some of the hiccups with the uh, limitations of the film uh, the best. And I thought, um, you know, Rooney Mara was able to kind of give a lot more kind of grounded, nuanced performance. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think there's stuff to like here. I-, I guess I was maybe a little bit more similar to you, critical of Ben Wishaw's performance. It felt, uh, I don't know, it, it didn't always feel super honest to me it felt kind of performery to me uh particularly kind of towards the end but um yeah i don't know i mean i get what you're saying i kind of agree and disagree i guess in the long run yeah i think i think ultimately what it comes down to for me is that i i just think that as as you said like as we watch these women kind of like disagree and, and come to blows and like the arguments they're having are very interesting it's like well, what do we talk about on this week's episode of Cinemaholics? Do we talk about the Oscar nominations? And they just hit a deadlock. They can't agree. And I was like, man, I feel that. I feel like that could happen, you know, between me and Will someday. And sure. it did. So the movie was prophetic, you know? Yeah, I guess so. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, how do you, I mean, I won't give it away, but how do you feel about the twist? Like midway through? I'm trying to remember if, what the twist would have been. The car um, comes. Oh, oh. Is that supposed to be a twist? Yeah, I mean, kind of. I mean, I I think that I kind of knew that it was like coming. I guess so. I, I guess it wasn't that surprising to me. It wasn't like shocking, um, but I was kind of I was a little taken aback. I was kind of like, oh, okay, sure. we're going this direction. That's fun. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, fun um, not the word I guess I should use in any connotation. Yeah, I was for like, this oh, film. That's, oh, that's um, fun for you. <laughs> Who am I to? <laughs> yeah. But. Uh, yeah, I guess that's women talking. That's that's all I basically had. Like, I don't think it's a worthless movie or anything like that. I I can see why it got so much love, well, and you know, um, I find it interesting that it you know none of the actresses got any kind of awards attention. Um, it just got the two yeah, nominations for screenplay and picture. But yeah, uh, yeah, I'm sure Sarah Polly's going to love hearing that it's not a worthless film. I'm sure she's going to take that. Uh, <laughs> I very don't think kindly. she's going to give a, a hoot about what I say. But yeah, it's just it's so weird to me because I'm like. I, I look at some of the other people who got nominated, like no disrespect to Jamie Lee Curtis, but actress in a supporting role. I mean, 
that one I, was... I feel like you could easily like give yeah. it to to Buckley or Foy here. I, I, that's who I would give it to. And then um, for actress in a leading role, you could you could make the argument for them there too, <laughs> honestly. Um, but over like Ana de Armas and you know I, I I can't say anything about Andrea Riseborough yet, but you know sure. Uh yeah, I, don't know. I mean I I tend to agree. That I feel like looking back on the film, Jamie Lee Curtis is the performance, the lead performance, I guess that. Uh, I liked the least of those, so I, I wouldn't. You have mean been. supporting? Well, the well, I mean, I consider like you know, like in the top, like main ensemble. I guess you said Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like she's in the main ensemble, but yeah, she's a supporting character in the film. Um, but yeah, I get what I'm saying is that like of the the uh, the people nominated for everything everywhere at once, I feel like her performance mm-hmm. was the weakest. So if she wasn't yeah, I mean, nominated, it's not I even that it's weak, but it's just it's not the most notable, I guess. Right? That's how uh, I feel. I, don't know, I just I felt like the other performers were stronger. That's what including, I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. But in any case, yeah, we're saying the same thing. You're just you're you're, you're nitpicking my way of saying it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you make, you kind of made it sound like she she almost had like a bad performance. I think, and I just wanted to make sure. No, I, was I don't like, think it's it was bad. bad. It's just in it's, context of the other ones. What I'm trying to say is like if she wasn't nominated, I wouldn't have been heartbroken. In the same way that I feel like exactly, with the other yeah, yeah. actors, I felt like they gave a lot stronger performances, uh, deserved the recognition, praise, and potentially the win. Um, I mean, I think I, when I voted for, uh, like cast ensemble, it went to everything everywhere. I mean, easily. And I think I, I think uh, aside from best actress, like I, cause I, I I think Kate Blanchett with Tar, I I just, I think that is like a tremendous one, but you know, uh, and Stephanie Sue and yeah, it's a symphony, not a conductor. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I, (laughs) but it's, it's tar. It's not, uh, you know, (laughs) she breaks the rules. Sure. Um, but no, I mean, I, I did think it was fun, uh, that, uh, I guess the Critics' Choice Awards split their vote for Best Ensemble between this and Jackass Forever. Uh, I don't know if you saw that. I think it was a Critics' <laughs> Choice Awards, or it was I one of those. Remember. But I, I don't know, remember I just, that one being on. <laughs> yeah, it was just a very sort of, uh, it was a nice little encapsulation of 2022 in film. It's just like. I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, the well, two let's genders, play the run. I guess. Yeah, <laughs> that's like the Rotten Tomatoes <laughs> game. That's you're, you're not wrong. Yeah, uh, we have 208 reviews counted from critics, uh, which is quite a bit for for a movie that I, I doesn't have as many verified ratings from the the audience. But I mean, hey, it's it's opening now, so maybe it'll pick up. But yeah, it only has 50 plus verified ratings. But uh, what do you think of the critics score as well? Uh, hmm, I'm gonna say 86 percent. It's a little higher. It's 90%. So okay. you're, you're kind of close. Uh, 90%, which is a bit higher. I probably would have guessed around the same as you. I would have been like, yeah, like 85 to 88, like probably in that range. But what do you think of the audience score? It's always the fun one. Hmm. Like I said, 50 plus verified ratings. You don't have a big sample. Well, I mean, I will say it doesn't seem like this movie's really making a dent at the box office. And I can't say I was really expecting it to, though we'll probably get a, a bump from uh its recent oscar nominations so true uh but in in any case at this point in time uh i don't know how many people have seen the film and i don't know how many people are going to be like gung-ho about the film um but uh i will say you know i think most people who come out to see it are probably getting what they expect from it maybe not Loving as much as critics, but enjoying it nevertheless. Uh, I'm gonna say seventy-eight percent, quite a bit higher. Okay. It's eighty-nine percent, almost oh, okay. right in line with the critics' score. And my nice. my theory for that is, 
because it's only come out, I think, in cities. And I think it's in cities like New York, LA, San Francisco. And I think the, I think those are audiences, like the ones who do come out to see it, like you said, who are going to be way more accepting, I think, of this movie as like a big like indie kind of you know, art house kind of movie. So I don't think people are going to walk out of it being like, ah, you know, the ones who go to like Rotten Tomatoes in particular and rate it, I I think that they're going to be quite kind to it because of the performances and everything else. So um, particularly Judith Ivy, I think people just like me are rooting for her in every way. Sure. Um, But okay. Um, We haven't said much about Frances McDormand, but I'm, you know, she's not as much as I expected. Yeah. She did. When she was in it, I was kind of like, all right, when are we going to get to, you know, more stuff she, like her. But, yeah. uh, was a producer in the film, though, I guess we should say. Yeah, I think Plan B was also one of the production companies. Yeah. And that's a whole thing with uh, you know, Brad Pitt and all that. So. Yeah, so like, what, what were their three productions this year? Blonde, She Said, and Women Talking? Those are the three, I think. Wow. Yeah. What a year for Plan B. There's no cinema score, but we do have Letterboxd. We have 18,000 watches on Letterboxd. It's a bit lower than I was expecting for this movie. I, I was expecting a little bit more of uh, the Letterboxd community coming out for it, but uh, maybe they will soon. Will Ashton, what do you think the average rating is on Letterboxd? Zero to five. Um, hmm. 3.4? A little bit off. Not your week. Mm. Not your week. I guess you're just not in touch with the, the women. Yeah, uh, who knows? sure. <laughs> it's a uh, 3.9. Wow, uh, so well, okay, very well, high. Very yeah, high. much higher than I anticipated. Most people in my letterbox, they're loving it. I'm seeing a couple two stars, but yeah, most people around here, I'm seeing like four star, five star, four and a half. So uh, definitely, I, I think too, like w- when this movie had its first like wave after Telluride, I think there was a lot of love for it. I remember people being like, this is the movie, this is the award season movie to yeah. be. And then more people started watching it and be like, eh, maybe not. And then, you know, people didn't argue. It just kind of like washed away a little bit. I don't know. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, definitely my alert box is more split. I'm seeing some like uh, two stars, some two and a halves, a one and a half, one and a half, one star. Well, wow, geez. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't see a ton of threes or threes and a halves. I see it's like either two, two and a half, or we're in like the four. And uh, <laughs> it's kind of funny. Um, um, do you think, though, I mean, I was going to ask this a little bit earlier. Do you think this movie will be better received with time? Uh, I think it's going to be for like... I think it's going to be forgotten. Mostly. Yeah, I don't think it's going to stick. I don't, know, I, I don't get the sense it will. Maybe I'll be wrong. I don't, I don't know. know. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, I, I'd i be happy if it stuck around. And, you know, maybe later down the road, I rewatched it and I had a greater appreciation for it. Um, I feel like I it's think it'll have its own little, like, close following of people who are like, yeah, that was a good one. Yeah. But, I, yeah, I think it's just one of those movies that is not going to, like, really, like, I don't know, connect with more people. I think it's going to be a trivia question. Kind I of guess. Movie. I don't know. I just, I've, I've definitely seen some people be like, how is this film not nominated for best director? How this film is going to be, you know, beloved and people are going to be, you know, lamenting that this wasn't given more love at the time. And I, I mean, I, I'm no future teller. I don't know. I mean, it could very well be. Uh, I just feel like I think the sentiment around the film is being appreciated maybe more than the film itself. Uh, mm-hmm. But I don't know. I mean, I, I think there's stuff to admire in the film. I think, like you said, there's some creative choices that are a little befuddling but uh i'm sure plenty of people will listen to this and be like yeah but you're guys like yeah like you're guys like you don't get it it's women talking it's like fair enough you know like i said at the onset you know if you want to if you want to know what female critics think of this movie i'm sure you'll get a lot out of that um probably a lot more than us but yeah just just our honest take you know yeah i mean i I mean i'd still probably give it like a 
pretty positive grade. I mean, I'd say like probably like a not me. I'd give it like a gentleman's like three out of five. I'd say. Yeah, I'm in the two territory. I'm in twos. Mm. But you know, it, it's not it's not an unhappy two. It's not a grumpy like I'm mad at this movie kind of two. No. It's just kind of like a yeah, you know, it didn't work for me. But you know, what are you gonna do? Yeah, it's it's a it's kind of disappointing when you can't like love a film like this like you, you yeah kind of are like, that's the struggle yeah it's yeah. like this is a movie i really thought i was like i went in because you said like oh my expectations i i had pretty high expectations because like i said oh, the, the reviews right. were like glowing so i was like yeah. oh my gosh i'm good i'm ready let's do it but hey maybe that's uh maybe that was for the worst you know it, it set me up to fail i don't know i just i i maybe we just kind of saw different things like i i saw mostly positive reviews but even at tiff i had saw some people were like I don't know about this one, Chief. And I was a little concerned. I was like, oh, geez. They're like, yeah. Did it play a Tiff? I thought it was just Telluride. I thought it was Tiff and Telluride, but I couldn't. Oh, maybe it was. Yeah, I just I just saw Telluride, but, you know, sometimes we get double dipping. Um, what are we talking about next week, Will Ashen? Uh, well, I hope at some point we can talk about Skin of Rink. We were, I was hoping to talk about it this week. But, What's uh, Skin of I've never heard of that movie. Okay. Um, I think it would make most sense for us to talk about Infinity Pool since you right. just saw and it. And do our Sundance coverage. Yeah, and we can talk about Sundance. Uh, you know, I can't really There's contribute as much. There's a bunch of Sundance much. stuff I want to talk to you about. That's yeah. for sure. Uh, and since that was a Sundance film, I feel it makes the most sense. I can see that this weekend. It's playing in theaters near me. Uh, so yeah, I think it makes the most sense to talk Infinity Pool. And then I'm talk definitely Sundance. excited for you to watch Infinity Pool, even if you hate it. Like, I kind of want you to watch it what no if, matter what. What if I like it more than Possessor? Um, You know, I'm not going to be like, <laughs> you know, kicking and screaming. Like, I'm just going to be a little bit, well, well, you know, that's the way it goes. That's, that's Will. He, mm. he he operates by his own rules, you know? Yeah. Can't hold him down. All right. Um, But until then, thank you so much for listening to our show, listening to us talk about women talking and the Oscar noms. Uh, we'll, we'll do our uh, regular Oscar episode uh, later in the year, uh, probably right before the ceremony, we'll do our annual If We Picked the Winners, which is always a lot of fun. Yeah. And uh, we'll talk about mo- that more as we get close to it. Uh, but yeah, we'll be back next week to talk about Sundance and probably Infinity Pool and maybe a whole bunch more. So from the Internet California, I'm John Agroni. And from the Internet Pennsylvania, I'm Washington. See you next time.